Welcome to the Steady Hand Podcast. I'm Scott Ronalds, joined with Tom Bradley. In today's session, we're going to review 2010 and touch on some of the highlights and lowlights of our funds. Tom, do you want to start us off with some general comments on how the year went? Scott, it was a strong year for stocks, and uh, that comes in the face of concerns about Europe's sovereign debt problems, a lack of fiscal discipline in the U.S., and and just sort of heightened voices of uh, the bearish ec- economists out there. Uh, the Canadian and emerging markets perform really well. You know, stocks that did well particularly were ones that benefited from China's growth and the the easing, monetary easing in the U.S., and, and certainly that uh, uh, reflected was reflected in small-cap resource stocks, which are the real stars in our country. But the U.S. market also did well. It had a double-digit return. Um, where there was weakness in the global equity markets was in Europe, and uh, uh, we're going to talk about that in the context of our fund, but uh, European stocks, with all that was going on over there, um, really lagged. And, of course, the European currency, the euro, also was weak against uh, our dollar particularly. It was another year where bonds were very popular, and uh, certainly people were seeking income <clears throat> and dividends. Uh, that continued to be in very high demand. I think there is a bit of a case where people are looking backwards at what bond returns have been in the past as opposed to what they're likely to be in the future, but certainly that was a trend we saw last year. As far as steady hand goes, our balanced clients, and I'm talking clients that are sort of 40, 50, 60% equities, the rest being bonds, um, had returns in the sort of 9 to 10% range, and, and if they stuck to that mix, had a really pretty good year. Now, Scott, let's get into the funds. Why don't you kick it off with uh, some comments on the income fund? Well, it was a good year for income products, as you mentioned, Tom. And this is because yield continued to be a popular theme among investors. The high demand for safety led to a further drop in bond yields in the year, and both government and corporate bonds performed well, with the overall market gaining about 7%. Dividend-paying stocks and income trusts also had a strong year, which helped the fund uh, turn in a return of 10.8%. The manager, Connor Clark and Lund, continues to like the outlook for credit, and by that we mean corporate bonds, although they did reduce the fund's exposure to these securities over the year, given the magnitude of gains over the past 24 months or so. And at year-end, about 35% of the portfolio was invested in corporates. CCNL is not as positive on government bonds, where interest rates are exceptionally low and the prospects for price appreciation are pretty limited going forward. They prefer provincial bonds over federals and shifted some of the fund's assets into provincials in the year. The manager also allocated a small portion of the portfolio to developed market bonds, such as the U.S., the U.K., Australia, and Germany, as these markets don't look expensive relative to Canada's, and the currency, inve- the currency exposure of these investments is hedged. The fund's income equities performed well, as we noted, And as a group, these securities have a yield of about 5.4%, and they did see some strong price gains in the year. And CCNL continues to favor financial and energy companies, but they also like the yield and outlook for real estate investment trusts. At year-end, the portfolio's overall yield was 4.1%, and the fund paid out distributions totaling $0.83 per unit in the year, which was larger than normal due to some profit-taking or capital gains in the corporate bond and income equity portions of the portfolio. CCNL's outlook for further gains in the fixed income market is much more restrained, but they do feel the portfolio is in a good position to generate uh, a good stream of income going forward. 
Tom, I'll turn it over to you for some comments on the equity fund. Well, the fund had an excellent return. It was 11.4% for the year, although that didn't keep up with what what was really a red-hot Canadian market. As many of you know, our market was driven by mining and gold and and just generally commodity-related stocks. And and our fund, uh, while it alone, it'll participate in those sectors from time to time, was much more focused on companies with you know, predictable cash flows and and really ones that are carrying kind of a strong franchise status. Um, And the fund is actually U.S. holdings were an area of of, uh, strength this year. Uh, Compass Minerals, Lincoln Electric, Nalco, Oracle, Adminstaff were all uh, did very well. Clearly, uh, our our strong loony, which I think gained about 6% against the U.S. dollar, tempered some of those returns, but nonetheless, nonetheless, they, they contributed the weak spot, uh, I guess, are overseas holdings. This isn't a fund that has a lot of things out of North Amer- outside of North America, but uh, I guess one of them, H- notably HSBC, uh, had a weak year. It was sold; it was actually sold late in the year. Now we did. We've talked many times in these sessions and in our reporting about uh, a few notable holdings that have been also holding the fund back, and I'm not going to drill in them too much today. But uh, Shoppers Drug Mart Manulife and research in motion. I would only say that uh, uh, earlier in the year on, on dips, uh, both in the case of research in motion and Manulife, uh, we did some adding to those positions. They really snapped back, and that's been very beneficial to the portfolio. We still hold all three, see them as being very solid organizations, and uh, see lots of upside potential. Over the year, the turnover was generally pretty low. Uh, there was a few uh, stocks that got eliminated, Canadian Oil Sands, Diageo, and HSBC, as I mentioned. And we added three new names, Crescent Point Energy, Asia Pacific Breweries, and Novartis, which is the uh, global diversified pharmaceutical company. As for the outlook, certainly Gordo Riley and the team at CGO VC, uh, very reasonable valuations on the portfolio. We've got some attractive and growing dividend yields, and, and as we've pointed out, there's a handful of holdings that, that really have not got traction yet, but we think are, are, are going to as we go forward here. When the market becomes less resource-oriented, Scott, I think this fund will perform very well as people start to look beyond copper and gold and silver and the things that have really been driving the market so far. Well, turning to the global fund, Tom, as you mentioned, it was a mixed year for global equity markets. Stocks with a focus on consumption in the emerging markets performed well, as did those that are levered to all the monetary stimulus that has been pumped into the U.S., which has been brought about by the second phase of quantitative easing. On the flip side of that, European stocks were weighed down by all the debt issues in the region, as well as negative sentiment and a weak currency. The fund struggled to gain ground in the year. It was down slightly, 0.3%. This was due to a couple of factors. Uh, first off, it had very few commodity stocks and little exposure to the resource sectors in general. And its exposure to European companies was a big factor. And we called this the triple whammy for the year, uh, meaning one, it had too many stocks in the region, two, it was in the wrong sectors, and three, it had uh, pretty significant exposure to some of those currencies, uh, the euro and British pound in particular, which both depreciated pretty notably against the Canadian dollar. Now, while attention is focused on the emerging markets, Edinburgh Partners feels that the positive growth prospects of many of these stocks are already fully discounted in stock prices. And conversely, they see a lot of potential in the U.S. uh, technology stocks in in specific, 
Japan, uh, export-oriented industrial companies, and Europe, where they're seeing value in financial companies. Japan has also become a growing theme in the portfolio. We highlight this in the quarterly report. Uh, there's a couple of reasons why Edinburgh Partners is, is bullish on Japan. First off, uh, companies in the, in the country are cheap on several measures. Uh, interestingly, dividend yields on Japanese stocks are now higher than U.S. stocks for the first time in over two decades. Uh, Japan also has market leadership in the manufacturing and automation industries. And it's situated favorably in Asia, and this is something that a lot of investors forget. Japan actually exports a lot of uh, goods and services to many of the fast-growing nations in the region. So clearly Edinburgh Partners is, is looking in the unloved areas as opposed to the red-hot emerging markets and resource sectors. And this has led to some disappointing short-term results, but they do feel they are uncovering some good opportunities. Well, Scott, the last fund we'll talk about is the small cap fund, and it had a good year. With a few exceptions, the companies in the portfolio performed well, uh, generated strong cash flows, good earnings growth, and the fund was up uh, 21.9% for the year. That's in the context of having really a very nicely diversified portfolio. Um, you know, it was one that participated with some of the hot resource stocks, but wasn't reliant on mining and gold stocks. And uh, I should say that the small cap index overall was up uh, almost 40% driven by those types of stocks. But uh, we're, we're delighted with how the fund produced Canadian Helicopters, Total Energy Services, Pacific Rubialis, and Hibbit Sports were examples of, of real contributors during the year. Will Witherich, who's the manager of the fund, uh, still sees valuations as being very reasonable, and some of them, some of the holdings in the fund he thinks are flat-out cheap right now. He can't say the same thing about the overall market. Uh, Will certainly thinks that stock prices and valuations in the mining sector particularly are hard to justify. And so he's sticking with companies that have more sustainable production growth and really viable business models. In 2010, the energy holdings in the fund did very well, and that's not surprising, I guess. But uh, what's interesting is that the fund had more of an international flavor. We had, a, 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 many of you know, we had a company called Grand Tierra, which has had operations in Colombia that did very well. We recently sold that one. But we also hold Pacific Rubialis, again Colombia, and recently bought a company called Coastal Energy, which has assets in Thailand. And so clearly Will is finding some value outside of Canada in the energy sector. There were a few disappointments in the year, uh, specifically Vesema, Shoppers Drug Mart, and Easy Home. We sold Vesema, but uh, Will certainly still sees the value in the, the other two, and uh, there continue to be significant positions in the portfolio. As we said, the fund's 18 holdings represent a nice, diversified mix of businesses. There is some exposure to resources, but it goes way beyond that, and we think it'll serve our clients really well as we go forward. So, Scott, as we bring this to a close, I think uh, I just want to make a few comments. As I said in my letter in the quarterly report, you know, 2010 really reminded us that uh, you never really know what's going to happen in the short to medium term. You know, in face of, of all kinds of cross-currents going into the year, worries about rising interest rates, all kinds of things, uh, we really had a very good year both in the bond and the stock market. Where are we going in 2011? We don't know, but certainly I don't see any compelling reasons why our clients should stray dramatically from their long-term plan, either towards 
you know, more secure, low-yielding cash, as many people are thinking of doing, or, or amping up towards growth-oriented equities. If we have a bias, it's probably to have a little bit more cash in, the, in reserve. Certainly, if you have any short-term needs, we'd suggest you set the cash aside now. And we don't mind having people a bit of ammunition if we do get some weakness in the, either the bond or the equity markets. But overall, we'd like to see our clients stay very close to their long-term plan. And Scott, I want to just close with a plug. Uh, in the next few days, we're going to be publishing a research paper that we spent a lot of time putting together. It's called, How is my portfolio doing and what should I do about it? It really provides a framework for investors to think about how they analyze their portfolio returns and in, indeed determine how they're doing. We also, in conjunction with that, and it's very relevant to this podcast, we'll publish a supplementary report on how SteadyHand is doing and uh, how people should think about our performance. So we'd encourage our listeners to, to give that a read. It'll be available on, on our website, SteadyHand.com, uh, later this week. We want to thank you for listening to this SteadyHand podcast, and uh, we look forward to bringing more to you in the future.